Hey everybody, before we get started today, I just want to ask you to do a simple favor for me. We want to be able to take good care of our flock and we need to know who our congregation is. And if you would download our app and check in, then that will help us a lot. You can do that by going to cornerstonenh.org slash app, A-P-P, and then that will give you a link to your app store, whatever device you're using. Download the Church Center app, log into Cornerstone, and then on that opening page, click the check in button. I was really encouraged by our study of 1 Peter to make sure that we are shepherding the flock among us really well. And we can't do that if we don't know who's out there and who's connecting. So it'll be an encouragement to me and it'll allow us to serve you better if we know that you're listening. So download the app, cornerstonenh.org slash app, and then check in, check in. If you're watching on the computer, you can also go to cornerstonenh.org slash here, H-E-R-E, like I'm here, and you'll be able to access that same form. Thank you, and here is Unfinished Business. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Welcome to Cornerstone On Site, and I am Pastor Brian Foreman, and we are getting ready to start a new series today. But but before we do that, uh, especially if you're watching online, we would love to be able to greet you personally and welcome you. And we're asking everybody to check in. Let us know you're here. The easiest way to do that is with our app. If you didn't know that we had a church app, you can find it at cornerstonenh.org slash app. And we're actually going to be using that for a variety of different things. We're going to be able to have a church directory and a lot of other things. So if you don't have the app already, you'll definitely want that. And when you load that, you'll see that right on that front page, there is a check-in button. So click that and let us know who you are because we want to care for you well. We want to take good care of our congregation. uh, And that will be one way that you can help us to do that. So be sure to do that. As I mentioned, today we are starting a new series that's called Unfinished Business, and we're going to be working through the New Testament letter to Titus from the Apostle Paul to his apprentice and co-worker, Titus. And the theme of this book is unfinished business, that Titus has been sent somewhere, left somewhere in order to accomplish the unfinished business that they had um, been doing. And that got me to thinking about uh, the unfinished business in our life. Have you ever, for example, been cooking something, like chicken maybe or something like that, and you pull it out and you start to serve it and you realized there's some unfinished business there, that you needed to cook it a little bit longer. Uh, sometimes uh, you, uh, I've had this happen before where I will have everything set up, whether it's the growth guide or the video or, um, or the slides, and then as I'm going through it, I realize, oh, I didn't finish that, or there's an error, there's some unfinished business. Now, sometimes, you know, we can kind of roll with that. But there are sometimes more significant things that we deal with that are unfinished. Like sometimes we have particular plans and dreams for our life that for whatever reason 
are unfinished business, that they're not coming to pass, they are not uh, coming through. Sometimes it, uh, we feel like the moment has passed and we don't know if we're ever going to get back around to that unfinished business. For some, you might feel like you're too old. I, I, I always have this picture of uh, Julian Edelman yelling at Tom Brady on the sidelines, you're too old, you're too old, trying to rile him up and motivate him to go out there and fight harder and win the football game. But uh, sometimes it's not somebody screaming something to motivate us. It's a small voice inside of our heads that says, your moment has passed. You're too old. Uh, Your health isn't what you expected it would be. The relationships that you have aren't what you expected it to be. There's unfinished business, and you don't know how you're going to get from where you are to where you want to be and perhaps to where uh, God has called you. I know that when... I was a freshman in high school. I started feeling called into ministry and uh, started reorienting my life around that. And it informed the the choice of the school that I went to. It informed uh, a lot of the choices that I made. And so I went to, uh, and God started using that in my life to get me more serious about my faith. Uh, reoriented my life, went to school, majored in biblical studies, minored in biblical languages, oriented my whole life around fulfilling that call and doing what I felt like God had called me to do. And then through a variety of circumstances, when I graduated from school, I didn't go into ministry. And the door didn't seem to be open to me. And it began uh, began a five-year career tangent where I worked in information technology, and I still felt called to ministry, still wanted to do ministry, but the path from where I was to where I wanted to be seemed very unclear. There was unfinished business. And I knew, and I know that it caused issues for me in my relationship with my heavenly father because I thought, you know, this is kind of a cruel joke, right? You know, uh, he, he's, he's calling me to ministry. He puts this desire in me. I surrender to it. I orient my whole life around it. And then for a variety of reasons, it seems like there's barrier after barrier and that call becomes unfinished business. Honestly, it, I allowed a little bit of bitterness and resentment to seep into my relationship with my heavenly father because of that unfinished business. And I didn't see a path from where I was to where I wanted to be. So that leads to the question, which is the kind of big question of today's message, and that is, is it, is it too late for me? You know, it, it, have, I, have I blown it too big? Have I uh, gone too far? Have I tripped up? Have I gone past my prime? Is it too late to see all of those things that God had in mind for me or that I had in mind for me or that I felt like God placed in my heart, the good things that I was hoped for? Is it too late? And I think the message of Titus in part is that God is not done yet. And he's not done yet with you. There is unfinished business that he is going to accomplish. 
So let's look at it together. This will be kind of an introductory message uh, where we kind of do an overview. So I'm going to skip around just a little bit in the passage that I read today. Uh, but feel free to follow along. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, which is what the Bibles are that are on the tables. And also if you have you know, a device and you want to uh, use it, that's what you can read along with me. I'm going to be looking at Chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and then skip ahead to 9 in the first half of 10, and then the concluding uh, theme verse in 3.14. So let me read it with you. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised them before the world began. And now, at just the right time, he has revealed this message, which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God our Savior, I have been entrusted with this work for him. I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you grace and peace. Verse 5. I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Skip down to verse 9. He, talking about an elder, must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. Verse 10, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. And then skip ahead to chapter three, verse 14, where Paul leaves this last little remark before he closes. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. So today, as we ask that question, is it too late? What we're really talking about is hope. And what I think you will see in this passage is today's bottom line, that your You are God's unfinished business, and God never leaves business unfinished. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that when we come to you, that we are not just reading ancient words, but we are reading words that were inspired by your Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that is here to explain, to empower, to lead and guide us today. So we pray that as we study your word, as we look at this passage, that you will speak to every heart, that you will show us exactly what we need to hear from what we look at today, and then that you will use that to prompt faith and obedience and hearts that are open to you and feet that are quick to obey what you show us. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's go into the introduction. You're God's unfinished business and God never leaves business unfinished. This is the introduction to this whole passage. Uh, And what you will see here 
is that Jesus is always building his church. Jesus is always building his church. There's a famous passage where Jesus says this. I'm going to give it to you in the message translation because as usual with the message translation, it phrases it a little bit differently and maybe it'll ring a little bit fresh. We're used to hearing, I will build my church. Uh, This is Jesus' words in the message. I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And I, choose, I chose this translation, this paraphrase, because I think it brings out an element that is there, but not always obvious in some of the other translations. When, uh, when you hear the gates of hell will not prevail against it, sometimes we, we still have this idea that, that our kingdom is defensive, that God's kingdom is defensive. Whereas what this is showing is that Jesus is saying, I'm going to build a kingdom that is so expansive that it's going to bump up against the gates of hell and it's going to overcome them. It's going to knock them down. For those of you that have been studying the book of Daniel, you've been uh, looking at that rock cut from the mountain that builds until it fills the whole earth. It's the same exact picture. It's the kingdom of God starting small, but building, building, and overcoming. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. So Jesus is always building his church. And as part of that, he uses his people. And that's what we see happening here with the apostle Paul and Titus on the island of Crete. So He says in verse five, I left you on the island of Crete so that you could complete our work there. And I'll give you a little bit of uh, kind of geographical reference here. This is... This is a very low <laughs> quality picture of the, a map of the Mediterranean Sea here. This is, this, is the, uh, this is Greece right there. So you see Athens, and that little red dot is Corinth, where the Apostle Paul also ministered. So he was around in there. And there's an island just south of there in the Mediterranean Sea that's the island of Crete. And that is where the Apostle Paul has left, Tim, uh, left Titus. So he says, I left you on the island of Crete. Why? What was your purpose? To complete our work there. That there was work to be done and uh, the Apostle Paul is appointing Titus in order to do it. Well, what is this work that he's going to do? It's kind of twofold. He says, uh, appoint elders in each town as I have instructed you. So complete the work. Appoint the elders in each town as I had instructed you. Now, elders are basically leaders in the church. I think it's kind of comparable to pastors today. Uh, Elders were the ones who were uh, leading, shepherding, guiding, safeguarding the doctrine of the church. This is an important part of their work, and we'll see that come out a little bit later. But um, what's happening is the church is expanding And Titus is helping by completing the work of establishing these churches. So uh, Jesus is ultimately building his church, but he uses us. And so we cooperate with him in the expansion of God's kingdom. So that's part of the business that he is about, is building his church. And you as a follower of Jesus, are a part of that church, and God is going to keep working and keep building us individually and corporately as well. 
I also want you to notice that not only is Jesus always building his church and he's going to continue to do that, but Jesus is always purifying his people. He's always purifying his people. And this is kind of the the second part of the theme that the Apostle Paul is telling Titus to take care of while he's there. I skipped over the first part because I wanted to come back to it in this section. The reason I left you in Crete is we talked about appointing elders, helping to establish the leadership in the church, but it starts out by saying that you might put in order what was left unfinished. There's an unfinished work here, and it is related to the character of the people in the church. So in order to put... uh, in order what was left unfinished. So what is unfinished? Let's go back to the salutation. Every letter in the New Testament usually starts like this, where it describes who it is. And the Apostle Paul is really good about using that salutation, even though he's just identifying himself and saying who he is and who he's writing to, he often will hint at the themes of the letter in that section, and he does that here. He describes himself in twofold way. First, as a servant or a slave of God, I do what God tells me to do, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And an apostle means someone who is sent, someone who is sent on a mission. So what is the mission that he is sent on? He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So I'm all about, Paul says, building up your faith and spreading the knowledge of the truth, another way that he's talking about the gospel, that leads to godliness. And this is a key thing and a theme that is throughout this letter is that Jesus is always purifying his people. When you become a follower of Jesus, When you become a Christian, when you are born again, all the different ways that the Bible talks about that, God is at work in you and he is going to, as we will see, carry it through to completion. He is constantly purifying you, constantly purifying your motives, constantly working in you to want the things that God wants for you and, as an aside, also is giving you the power to do it as well. All too often what can happen is that we can substitute knowledge for this growth and this purifying process. If you've been around church for any period of time, don't name names, don't raise hands, you have probably seen somebody that knows a whole lot about the Bible, but it's not a person that you want to hang around or be with because they, it, it hasn't changed their heart. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that right doctrine, a knowledge of the truth, should necessarily result in a changed life. And so part of the process that he has us on as individuals and part of the process that he has us on as a church is that he is constantly purifying us and setting us right. One of the best commentaries that I've been using as I've been studying for this is uh, the New International 
commentary on the New Testament. The author of this version of this um, volume is Philip Towner. And he describes what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. He says, characteristic of each of these letters, it's a commentary on all three pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy, as well as Titus. And he's saying these all have this in common, is a conception of salvation that God is going to redeem and rescue us that reflects the proper balance between faith in slash knowledge of God and the behavior that gives expression to this personal knowledge. Now, what's he saying there? He's saying in scholarly commentary talk that there's a connection between what you know about God that should be lived out in the way your life changes as a result. And so in these letters, the term godliness was adopted for that purpose. So when you see the term godliness in the New Testament, especially in these books, these letters, the pastoral epistles, you can say, okay, that is knowing the truth and living it out. And that that's the way it's supposed to happen. That when you know the truth, you actually are going to live it out. And so that's why The apostle Paul describes his ministry as this. I was sent by Jesus Christ and I'm going to further, I'm gonna bring you along in your faith. But that doesn't mean just filling your head with knowledge so that you can quote the Bible left and right. It's a knowledge of the truth that necessarily leads to godliness. So you're going to see as we go through this book a constant referring to and coming back around to this idea that Jesus is always purifying his people because we as his people are God's unfinished business and God never leaves business unfinished. So Jesus is always building his church. The Apostle Paul and Titus are cooperating with that. Jesus is always purifying his people, and that's a big part of the emphasis that Titus is going to have in his ministry, as we will see. And lastly, you will see that Jesus is always giving his people purpose. Jesus is always giving his people purpose. In order for the church to accomplish its mission and to do the things that it needs to do, it requires all of us to participate. The body of Christ is the way that the New Testament often refers to us as a church. And you think about your body. Um, Lately, I have been having a very severe pain that will sometimes strike at my ankle. And sometimes I will cry out in pain because it's so sudden and so crazy intense. When that happens, I can't do anything else until that pain passes because every part of your body is necessary. Every part needs to be working well for the whole body to be healthy and growing. And the body of Christ is the same way. This is the way the Apostle Paul talked about it in Ephesians uh, 4.16. As each part, what's he talking about? Each part of the body, each person within the congregation does its own special work Each one of us has a special role, a special work, a specialized part to play in the body. When that happens, it helps all the other parts grow 
so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If we are going to have a church that is healthy and growing and full of love, then that means that every part has something to do. Every part has a role to play. And this ties to that first, uh, the, to the earlier idea in that it's not just enough for you to know stuff, for you to sit still while I instill, but you have to then take that and do something with it in order for the body to be healthy and growing and full of love. So there's a, there's a good, strong emphasis on that aspect of it. And remember, the twofold purpose that Paul gave Titus was to appoint elders and to reinforce the idea that the knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. He's going to, build a, he's going to cooperate with Jesus in building the church, cooperate with Jesus in helping to purify his people. But what is the connection what is the connection between appointing elders and, and, and encouraging godliness? We'll see this. Let me kind of go to another part. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses in this book. It says, it's talking about the gospel. It says, he, God, saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. As we go through this, never confuse. This isn't, we, we didn't come into the faith because of our good works. We came in because of his mercy. But what happens is when God actually saves you and transforms you, then you start to change and you start to do things differently. So what's the basis of our relationship with God? Not the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. But after that, what happens is God is at work in you. He's constantly purifying his people, and that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in the second half of this verse. He washed away our sins, gave us a new birth, and new life through the Holy Spirit. What did he do? He took care of our past, washed away our guilty record, and is writing a new story, giving us new life. And so that's the process. And the Apostle Paul again talks about it in another uh, letter, this time to the church at Philippi. And I'm certain that God who began the good work in you, God has begun a good work in you. If you have said yes to Jesus, if you're following Jesus, you probably have already seen that at least get started. You can have the confidence that he's going to continue that until it is finished, until it is finished. So how is that connected? Let's go back to Titus, verse nine. He, an elder, must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. In other words, he's gonna, that's the same thing that the Apostle Paul was talking about as the, the truth that leads to godliness. He says, you've gotta, you've gotta have a firm grasp of that. Then you can take that truth that leads to godliness and encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Now, why would this be necessary? Because, verse 10, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. And we'll see throughout this book that the Apostle Paul points out several things that can distract people, that can throw them off track. And, the, and Timothy is saying, Jesus is, uh, or, or I'm sorry, Paul is saying to Titus, Jesus is building his church. 
we need to appoint elders and leaders. Those leaders are important because a true, accurate view of the gospel, a, a, a knowledge of the truth is going to lead to godliness. And you pull those things together. A church that's well-led, a church that has uh, leaders who have a firm grasp of the gospel, and as they propagate that, as they share that, then people will see that a knowledge of the truth leads to godliness and that will cooperate with God in purifying his people. And you need people who have the right character in order to lead the church. And so those are the ways that those are connected. Godly character is a result of knowledge of the truth. Then a person is qualified for leadership, and then they can turn around and encourage others in that walk and that knowledge of the truth. And so that's where we come back around to that summary statement at the end. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good, meeting the urgent needs of others, and not live unproductive lives. So let me just kind of speak from the heart about what's going on with us right now. This has been disruptive uh, over the last couple of years, we've experienced a lot of change. We've rolled with the punches, but it has been disruptive. But we can have the confidence that God is committed to building his church. Now, I don't know what that means for us individually or for even us as a congregation, but here's what I know, that Jesus has committed to building his church and we, as people who have said yes to Jesus and are following Jesus, are a part of his church. I think that he has unfinished business with us. And I don't think he leaves business unfinished. I think a part of that is that we need to see more and more people who are actively engaged in ministry. And we'll talk about that more in the future. But as you look around, here's how it happens. We're a people who say, how can I help? We're a people who, as Jesus taught in the parable of the Good Samaritan, when we encounter a need, we try to meet it. And the Apostle Paul is reinforcing that. Here's, here's what, we're devoting ourselves to doing what is good, meeting the urgent needs of others. So when we see a need, we feel it. We try to do something about it. If we're going to be a body that is healthy and growing and full of love, then we'll need each part to, to do its own special work. And that means everybody has a part to play in what God is doing in his church. And so it's incumbent upon us to be open to that and to take those steps. The other thing that it means for us is that in order for God to use us the way he wants to use us, he has to keep doing his work in us. I mentioned to you that when I was uh, just a freshman in high school was when I started sensing a call to ministry. I had grown up in the church. I had prayed to receive Christ as a four-year-old led by my grandmother. I was baptized as a 10-year-old uh, and I had been following Jesus for a long time, but, relatively speaking, 
but it was that call that God used as a purifying factor, a purifying work in my life. Because I started thinking about if, if my pastor was saying these things, telling these jokes, laughing at this, watching this, going there, what would I think? And then I began to realize, okay, I need to, if I'm going to fulfill God's call in my life, then I need to make some adjustments. God used that call as a purifying factor in my life. And then, of course, I realized that that's not just for pastors, (laughs) that every one of us is a minister. Every one of us has a calling on our life if we belong to Jesus. Every one of us has a part to play And in one of the other pastoral epistles, Paul talks about being a tool that is ready at hand for the master's use. When you go into your toolbox and the tool that you want isn't there, when you go into your toolbox and the tool that you want is broken or not functioning, too dirty, whatever, you can't use it. And so the picture that the Apostle Paul is painting there is we want to be tools that are ready at hand for the master's use. There may be something in your life that you need to deal with in order to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. He is always at work purifying his people. So I'm going to encourage you to cooperate with him. And then as always, I will point out that this letter And what we've been talking about is written primarily to those who are believers, who are followers of Jesus. God began a good work in you, will carry it through to completion, but that's a conditional promise. You have to belong to Jesus in order for that to be the case. So that's why I will always encourage every week for you to say yes to Jesus. If you have not made a decision, if you don't know where you stand with Jesus, here's how you can know. You say yes to Jesus. What are you saying yes to? Yes to his forgiveness, that he's going to take care of your past. All of that was put on Jesus on the cross so that you can be forgiven. And he's going to give you a fresh start and write a new ending to your story. You say yes to Jesus as Savior, but also yes to Jesus as Lord. That means he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots, that you're going to follow him. And then he does that work inside of you and changes your heart and purifies you, adopts him, adopts you into his family, makes you a citizen in his kingdom and a member of his body. And then he decides and includes you in his unfinished business. And he will never leave business unfinished. So today we've been talking about hope. And what we've said is that you are God's unfinished business and God never leaves business unfinished. We're going to celebrate communion today. And communion is a great way of being reminded of that verse that I mentioned that it's not because of our righteous acts, not because of the good things that we have done that God saved us, but according to his mercy. And that was demonstrated to us on the cross. So we take the bread, and as Jesus reminded us, this is my body, which is broken for you. When we look at the bread, we're reminded of his broken body on the cross, that he who did not deserve that penalty of death 
nevertheless willingly took it on himself so that we could receive through his grace and mercy the salvation, the redemption, the purification, the purpose that we could never earn on our own. And so when we see that broken bread, we are reminded that Jesus paid the penalty for us. And when we take it in, we're appropriating it. We're saying, I want his death on the cross to count for me. When we celebrate it on an ongoing basis, we're reminded of that truth. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, the cup points to the cross. In the Old Testament, all the, when the sacrifice was made, they would take the blood and they would sprinkle it on the altar. Why? Blood is evidence. It's evidence that a death has occurred, that the debt has been paid. And so when we look at this cup, Reminding us of Jesus' blood shed for us, it is a reminder that our debt has been paid because he shed his blood. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the, the cup of the, of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, in light of the fact that we said, it's the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. I made an adjustment in what we do at this time of the service. I used to, you're, you're gathered around tables because we give you an opportunity to talk it out and to gather up and have small group interaction. We found that that's one of the best things about our time together, and that's why we've continued it. We started it when we were outside on lawn, and we've continued it now here underground. But... I've changed it, you'll notice in the growth guide, it's not talk about it, because we don't want to just talk about it. It's called live it out, because this is the time where we live it out. We figure out how we're going to take a knowledge of the truth and turn it into acting on that knowledge. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do as a next step. For this series, show up on Sundays. If you've been watching online and you can be here it's better in person, and we would encourage you to do that. If you are able, just commit. You, you've been kind of off and on, but just show up on Sundays. You will be glad you did. Then stick around for the live it out. Gather around, walk, work through those questions, and then you will see God at work. The other thing that you will notice about the questions for this week is that I've changed it up a little bit because I want to give... I want to give the Holy Spirit uh, as much freedom as possible to act. So it's a little bit less guided than it has been in times past. There's also space for you to write something because I think it's helpful for you to write something. I always talk about reading and responding to God's word and something about writing that out helps. So you're going to read the scripture passages to get today again. And I've highlighted them on the front of your growth guide just so that you can see where those are. You're going to take one of those that stands out to you and talk about, this is, this is the verse that stands out to me and why. And then I want you to put it in your own words. 
could start out by saying, that means that, you know, if I were going to explain this to somebody else, this is what I would say. And then I want you to think about what that looks like in your life. Therefore, I will turn that verse into a response. So gather up, talk it out, but also live it out. Let's pray, and with the amen, you'll be released to your groups. So glad that you are here, and I hope that you have a great week. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active, and that you're going to use it in order to convict, inspire, encourage. Lord, I pray that each person watching, listening here today would know clearly what you want them to do with what they've heard today, and then that you would give them the courage and power to act on it. And I thank you, Lord, that ultimately this is your work and that you will build your church, you're gonna purify your people and you have a purpose for each one of us and that you will not leave that business unfinished. We thank you, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.